This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. We've been in a sermon series called Focus, and we've been looking at clarity in times of uncertainty. To stand with clarity and to begin to look at how to be the people that God has called us to be. Now, before I launch into the message today, I have to just say I'm excited because next weekend is Pentecost Sunday. And on Pentecost Sunday, especially for us as Pentecostals, as a Pentecostal church, we know the power of the Holy Spirit. And now on Pentecost Sunday, God poured out a spirit in a great way. It was really a celebration of the outpouring of God's spirit on his church where they were empowered for the mission that he had called them to be. And what I'm excited about is because we are going to be having in-person live services. We're gonna continue our uh, online live services. So next week, you're gonna have the choice of having uh, an in-person live service. If you'd like to come to our Fort Lauderdale campus or in-house, in-home live service. But next week is going to be a big celebration for us. And we are just so, so excited about that. I hope that you will be with us on Pentecost Sunday for a celebration. Uh, I believe that God is going to pour out his spirit in a great and a powerful way. Amen. I mean, I can't, I can't wait. Well, I want to take a couple minutes and just review our series, Focus, Living with Clarity in Time of uncertainty. We started by looking at focusing on the kingdom of God. What does it mean to have clarity in times of uncertainty? And as we looked at this kingdom of God, focusing on his kingdom, we started by looking at Isaiah chapter 60, verses one to three, where the scripture says, arise and shine and see the glory of God. Well, the second week we went into standing with clarity and we looked at the life of Daniel and we looked at Daniel and his his friends and and the challenge really out of that week of standing with clarity is when we got to eliminate all of the competition for the affection of our heart. Then the following week we focused on eternity, focus on eternity that we see beyond this life, beyond what's going on right now around us and that we begin to realize that there's another life, that there's life after this life. Focus on eternity. And then on Mother's Day, Pastor Candy and Pastor Nadine looked at focusing on walking with God. And when you walk with God, you have the mercy of God, the favor of God that's released into your life. And we looked at that week, Pastor Nadine and Pastor Candy looked at the life of Noah. And then we came back last week and we began to look at living with passion, living with a passion, living for the dash of your life. And again, we just begin to focus on a couple things things, and that is clarifying your values, understanding what you believe and why you believe it, and aligning your life to that. We begin to look at how to use your spiritual gifts and begin to walk in the anointing that God has for you by using your spiritual gifts. And to do that, we've got to create space in our life. And we got to create this room for God to begin to move in our life so that we can hear God and walk in him. Well, today, we're going to be focusing our last message in this series on a spiritual awakening. What does God want to do? 
There's a group of pastors and, and, and prophetic voices right now. I, I believe it as well, and I'm a part of this. We're believing that there is a great awakening coming, that there is a move of God that's about to be ushered into the church and across the land. And there's a group that's praying and prophesying and holding on to the truths that there is a spiritual awakening, a move of God that's about to take place. And I just want to stir our hearts. I want us as a church, Christian Life Center, to be ready. I want our hearts to be ready. I want us to understand what does it mean? What do we got to do? How do we prepare ourselves so that we can see this mighty, mighty move of God? Now today, I want to start with sharing with you. I want to share with you a great revival, a great revival that swept across the land and around the world, and it started with one man. His name is Jeremiah uh, Lemphere, and it's a great revival, and in this great revival, God began to move the church, the people of God, but most of all, there were hundreds and thousands and literally millions that came to know the Lord through this revival. I want you to take a look at this short video clip of this revival and I'm believing God will do the same for us. Let's watch this clip together. The United States, 1857. Slavery, rebellion, rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ, churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it, before or since. Global revival. God started it with one man. It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know, can history repeat itself? Can it happen again? There's a group of us that believe it can happen again. If you believe that with me, just say a big amen wherever you're at. It can happen again. And today I want to talk about, I want us to focus 
on a spiritual awakening, a worldwide revival like we just saw. And I believe God is wanting to do it. Before I share a few thoughts with you, will you pause with me and let's just ask God to touch and anoint our hearts, to touch this word that's going to be released over our lives. Father, right now, I just pray, God, that you're going to take your word and illuminate it and empower it and awaken it in our spirits and in our lives. That God, as a church and as a people of God, those that are watching today, I pray that we will take hold of this word and we will say, yes, yes, it can happen again. Yes, Lord, do it, oh God, I pray. Do it in our midst, oh God. And together, God, we're going to run for it. We're going to cry for it. We're going to believe for it. God, we're hoping and praying, seeking and knocking and tearing and saying, God, would you do it again? Touch us, O Lord, as we open your word now, illuminate it to our hearts. In your name we pray, amen and amen and amen. What is a spiritual awakening? Well, spiritual awakening, first of all, is where God begins to birth something within us and something begins to happen. A spiritual awakening is where all of a sudden God is reviving the church. He's reviving us as individuals. God is beginning to transform us. He's transforming the church, those that come to the church, but it also begins to transform culture that we live in. It's not just something that happens inside the walls of our buildings, but all of a sudden it begins to flow out of the walls of the building and it begins to flow out into culture and it begins to change culture begins to change your workplace it begins to change families it begins to change society that's not just one church that's going to usher in a move of God like this like you saw in that video it spreads from family to family individual individual church to church country to country and it begins to sweep across the land and I'm telling you right now, there's something that's stirring and many are believing that a day like this is coming. I want to read a scripture to you. In Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 3, it says, listen, Isaiah the prophet is saying, prophesying, it is the voice of someone that is shouting, shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord to come. Make straight the highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys, level out the mountains and the hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then, when we do all of that, then the glory of God will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. You see, that's what we're believing for, and that's what we're praying for. Charles Finley, Charles Finley, the great evangelist, gave us some thoughts, and he said that revival comes, a spiritual awakening begins to come when, first of all, the foundations of sin are broken up. When people begin to break up sin and they begin to repent of sin, when there's a renewed obedience to the word of God and the way of God, and we begin to determine once again that we're going to walk in God's path, we're going to align ourselves to the values of God, to the ways of God, and we begin to repent where we've drifted off, a drift that begins to take place off of what God has called us to do. He says that 
Christians, believers, begin to repent and return to God. They begin to go back to the ways that they knew is what God wanted them to do. Christians' faith is being renewed and it's being stirred and and Christians are feeling the empowerment of the spirit and the anointing of God. The power of this world, we're gonna talk about that in a moment. The, The grip of this world is broken and sin, the power of sin is broken and people are surrendering their lives to Christ and surrendering their hearts to the Lord. That is when revival begins to come is what Charles Finley said. Well, that's what we're praying for. That's what we've been running for. That's what we've been preaching. That's what we've been declaring. In fact, that right there has been the layout over the last five weeks of focus. If you've been following with me week after week after week, we've been looking at those points and that's what we're praying for is God, would you send the revival? Would you send a spiritual awakening? And one more time, I just want you to say, yes, Lord, amen, let it be. And so today I wanna give you just a couple simple thoughts of what I believe will usher in and bring a spiritual awakening. Now it starts with us. It starts with you and I drawing a circle, so to speak, and stepping in the middle of that circle and saying, God, let it start with me. Sometimes the church, we're praying for others, but we gotta draw that circle and we gotta step into the middle of that circle and say, God, let it come down. Let the glory come like lightning. Let it fall and let it start with me. So today, as I begin to talk about this, I want you to be careful not to think about others. I want you to be careful not to think about those that are in the world. I want you to begin to say, God, let me step into the middle of that circle and God, let your power begin to release into my life. So what what brings in a spiritual awakening, a revival, a move of God is when we begin to love God more than the things of this world. Say that with me. When we love God more than the things of this world. When we begin to say, God, I love you. God, I want my life to honor you. God, I step into this circle and I say, God, I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I've got, God, I am yours. And can I tell you, that cannot be manufactured. It's not like a light switch or a water faucet that you just turn on and turn off. It's something that happens because you've been with God. You created some God space and you said, God, I'm soaking. I'm soaking, God, in your presence. I'm soaking under the fountain of the most high, the glory of God, the goodness of God. It's being released into my life. When you begin to cry out like that, I'm telling you, you're beginning to be in the place of a spiritual Awakening. Let me show you a verse here. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15, it says, He appointed 12. These were his disciples. He appointed 12 that were his disciples. He designated them as apostles because they went forth and they were going to proclaim the message. He appointed them as apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And as they would go out, they would have authority to drive out demons. I want you to see here that this love for God, this love for God more than the things of this world, it's cultivated when we're with him. He appointed them as disciples and he appointed that they might be with him. 
You see, our first calling, the number one priority, no matter what it is we do in ministry, the number one priority of all of our lives, it's a calling, it's a priority, and that is that we are with Jesus, that we have an intimacy with God, that we learn to hear his voice. I talked about it last week, that we soak in him. We begin to draw our guidance from him, revelation from him. The word of God comes alive and quickens our heart and our spirit that we are with the Lord, that we're with him. And when we are, God begins to reveal and he begins to enable us to walk in his way and know him in a more powerful way. In Mark, uh, in, excuse me, in Matthew chapter four and verse 19, Jesus said this to his followers and we're his disciples today. We're his followers today. He says, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, a spiritual awakening, a revival, a a move of God that we're praying for starts when we love God more than the things of this world. And what Jesus says when he was calling his disciples is, come, be with me, follow me. See, I want you to understand that a disciple is one that knows and follows, one that knows and understands and is with the Lord. A disciple is one that knows and follows Christ. See, what we're doing every single week when we're worshiping God and we're gathering with other believers and we're getting into the word of God and praying day by day by day, What you're doing is you're developing your awareness of who God is. You're developing an awareness of his presence. You're learning to recognize what is true and authentic from the spirit of God and from the very throne of God. But most of all, you're putting some guardrails around your own heart and your life. You're knowing him. You're determining you're gonna follow him. You know what he's done before. You know what his characteristics are. You know what his nature is. And you begin to be attuned. Your ear gets attuned to the very voice of God, the whisper of God, that your heart and your spirit is awakened to what God is saying to you. You see, I believe a spiritual awakening is going to come when we love God more than the things of this world. Now that sounds very simplistic, but it's very difficult. Why? Because the things of this world are so attractive. They're enticing. It's something that that the enemy is constantly putting before us and we find ourselves drifting away from that which should be the most important things in our life. We, We rationalize and we get logical about it and we begin to talk about it. But man, true Repentance, true love for God leads to a heart and to a life of repentance and and seeking God and laying our lives before God and surrendering everything to God. And as we stay in the center of that circle, see the problem is many step into the circle on Sunday and then they step out of the circle when they go to work and they live their life and they go about their routine Monday through Saturday but then they get back into the circle on Sunday and they worship and they praise maybe during the week when they're running through their daily activities they'll step back into the circle when they pick up their Bible and have a few minute devotion or prayer or maybe when they're driving they'll whisper it through a few prayers that go up but the reality is the majority of their week is lived outside of the circle. Again, we got to draw this circle and we got to step in and we got to say, God, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to give my life to you and I want to learn to love you more than anything else in this world. Look at this next verse I have in Luke chapter 9 in verse 23 from the Living Bible. Then he said, Jesus said, anyone, say that with me, anyone, anyone. 
anyone who wants to follow me must put aside, some translations say deny, put aside, deny their own desires, their own conveniences, and they must carry their cross. Now, I've heard people say to me, Delaney, I'm just carrying my cross. I'm carrying my burdens, right? I'm I'm carrying my cross. But see, the listener of this day, they would have understood when Jesus was saying, carry the cross. The cross was a symbol of death. It was an instrument of death. And, And only those that would carry the cross were those that were carrying their own cross that they were going to be crucified upon. So when Jesus is saying, anyone who wants to follow me, a disciple follows and knows, knows and follows the Lord. Anyone, Jesus says, that wants to follow me must carry his cross. The cross was a symbol, an instrument of death. So what Jesus is saying, carry his cross, carry it every day and keep close to me. So what Jesus is saying here is, If you're going to love me more than the things of this world, daily you're going to have to die. In the first part of that verse, he said, die to what? Die to your desires. Die to your ambitions. Die to that which you want to do. You've got to get back into the circle. Guys, you got to get this today. We say that we live in the circle, but let's be honest. We step out of the circle and we begin to walk towards our own desires and our own ambitions and the things of this world. And if we're going to have an awakening of God, the church, you and me has got to say, God, increase my love. Help me, God, to surrender everything to you more than the love of this world. So how can we do that? Pastor, what can I do? Well, I just want to encourage you to, again, spend time with God every day. Create that God space in your life. Have some extended time with God. Go on, go on retreats when things open back up again. Get alone. Get isolated. Go on a prayer retreat. Book a hotel room and just say, honey, honey, I'm, I'm going away for a day to the hotel. I'm not going to eat, maybe. I'm going to get into prayer and have some time with the Lord. Why do we focus on fasting so much? It's because fasting humbles us. Fasting gets me back into the circle because I remember why I'm not eating. And so I force myself to get back into the circle. And then the spirit of God just begins to say, move that out of your life. Move this thing out of your life. Let me begin to do that in your life. Let me hear you, God, as I'm in that circle. And then can I tell you, Paul said he does it daily. And that is spiritual examination. Examine your heart, examine your life, do spiritual profiles on your heart regularly to say, God, am I carrying anything? And that really leads to the second thing that brings a spiritual awakening. And that is when God begins to reveal, we begin to remove the barrier. Say that with me, remove the barriers. As God begins to reveal, because I'm in the circle, a spiritual awakening happens when we begin to remove the things that God is revealing. I want to go back to that passage in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, in Isaiah, again, uh, verse 3, it says, listen to the voice of someone shouting. Now, that's me today. I'm, I'm speaking it to you. Isaiah was in his day. I'm saying it to you. Here is Isaiah say, to the voice of someone shouting, clear the way, clear the way, remove the barriers. What God reveals when you're in the circle, you gotta begin to act upon it. Man, I've pastored 30 years, 30 years, full time. More than 30 years now, Toby, that's hard to believe. More than 30 years, I just had a moment there. Sorry, just like, 
like that, it's gone. All of you young ones, it, it's like that, it's gone. 30 years. But I'm telling you, I worked with a lot, a lot, a lot of people. They, they hear it in the circle, but then they begin to walk a different path. They begin to go their own way and they don't apply it. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word, do it. And when God begins to remind you and show you, he says, clear the path, move it away, clear a path through the wilderness for the Lord, make the straight highway, the highway of God in the wasteland so that God can come and the glory of the Lord will be seen by all. Now I've learned in my own spiritual life, some of the biggest barriers When I come to Christ, it's understanding that he's my savior and that he's given me salvation and and that I'm forgiven in the Lord. But as I walk with the Lord, what I've learned is one of the biggest barriers or some of the biggest barriers in my life are more attitude and heart issues. They're really not things I do. They're more things in the heart attitudes that I have. I mean, I can go out and begin to clear a field and moving the big trees and the big rocks and and getting that stuff is easy. It's when you start picking up the little pebbles. It's when you start picking up the little things. It's the attitudes of the heart, the attitudes of my, my life, pride. And these are the ones that I've seen the most in those that I work with as a pastor And honestly, those that I've identified in my heart on a regular basis, many of these things are the things that we have to work on, pride. The danger with pride is the longer you're in the church, the more religious we get. The more we know, the more we've heard it, the more we've been there, the more we've done it, the more we've experienced it, and now we get hardened to a move of God to a word of God. Every service I'm in, every service, I say, God, speak to me in this service. I don't care if it's a children's service or a youth service. I don't care who's speaking. God, speak to me because God, I wanna be humble before you. I want you to deal with my own heart. I want you to remove these things. That's what means to get back into the circle. Pride, immorality. I mean, this is one of the big challenges of Paul's day and of biblical days and of our day, Sodom and Gomorrah, the Corinthian church over and over and over. And here we are in society again, immorality. And boy, it is infiltrating the church, especially in the men of our church that are living with pornography and they're living in immorality and they're living with lust. And what it does is it strips away the pride. It strips away the, 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 not the pride, the boldness to come into the presence of God because we're living in guilt and shame and condemnation when we're living with that, that root in our life. And boy, that immorality root is a root of lust. And that root of lust is so hard to pull out. You see, remove the barriers. Over and over again, we see in scripture that God would say, circumcise the heart, prepare your way, your heart, get your life ready, get ready. And I believe that this is what happens when we begin to do that, a spiritual awakening is on the way. Pride, immorality. I've seen that it's materialism more more and more. And right now, really about this pandemic right now is that's been stripped away, right? Everything's closed. I mean, the economy is crashing, kind of like that revival of 1857. But when everything crashed, people began to return to God. And that's what we're praying for. Man, materialism has such a grip. That's why Paul says, be content, be content, be content. Contentment and godliness, he says, is what? Is great gain. 
And boy, I'm praying, God, you'll help us as a church and as a people to be content. Let us live godly lives, materialism. And, 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 and then another one is unforgiveness. Boy, in our encounter weekends, on our retreats, we deal with this more than anything. Judgment, critical spirits, all of these are issues of the heart. The point here, the key point I want you to get is that you gotta begin to remove these barriers when God begins to reveal. And when we do, when we get back on our knees and we begin to cry out, I mean, I don't know how many churches I've been in now where I see people on their knees, many, many churches where people are not down in a posture of humility and saying, God, would you tell Touch me and move upon me. Reveal to me the attitudes of my heart. I just want you to pause for a moment right where you're at. And I just want you to say, God, God, remove the barriers. God, I'm getting on my knees before you. And I'm asking you, God, would you move? Would you move? Forgive us for what we've made of it. Forgive us, oh God, how we've allowed our hearts to drift. God, right now I'm asking you, send the revival, send an awakening, send it to my heart, send it to our church, send it, oh God, like the revival of 1857. It started with just a handful of fuel and God, I'm, I'm here and I'm just saying, God, would you gather us? Would you bring that remnant that are hungry for it, that are longing for it? And God, would you do it in our midst? Now, the awkward moment right now is I'm doing this in an auditorium that's not very full, but I'm asking you wherever you're at, will you render your hearts to the Lord? Will you render your hearts to God and come back to him and say, God, start with me, oh God. Start with me, oh Lord. Start with me, oh God. See, the problem with the church is we've become asleep. We've become asleep. And God is saying, wake up, oh sleeper, wake up. For the time has come. The shout in the highways and the byways that the time has come. God, I pray that you'll do it within us, oh God. Right where you're at, just begin to say, God, would you do it in my heart, do it in my home? God, let me get sick and tired of seeing the status quo. And God, I pray that you're going to do something new, oh God, I ask. God, right now we pray for a move of your spirit. Go ahead and just begin to play for me in the background, if you will. One thing I know is constant prayer ushers in the presence of God. If you know that you're not where you need to be, I'm not talking about sinners that are lost in their sin. If that's you, you repent turn to God for forgiveness. But if you know that you've fallen asleep, that you, you're in a ritual, you're in a routine, if you know that, 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 that you, you, you've wandered out of the circle, say, God, do it in me. See, Finney said that believers, Christians, 
begin to repent in return. I think he even used the word backslidden believers. We don't often think of ourselves as backslidden, but if anything has taken the place between us and God, we've stepped out of the circle. And let me also say that when you're in multiple means of grace, God moves. What do you mean, Pastor, by multiple means of grace? Well, multiple means of grace is where the Spirit of God is moving. Worship services like this, life group, daily devotions, times of fasting, revivals, times of communion, reading the word. These are multiple means of grace. See, the more we're allowing ourselves to soak in the spirit, the means of grace begins to be released. The next few thoughts, I just want to lay it with you. I want to just lay it before you. I believe they're important. I don't have time. I believe God's released his word, but I want to make sure I I release it to you so you can ponder. A spiritual awakening happens when we love God more than the things of this world, when we remove the barriers that are blocking us from having that kind of intimacy with God, fresh revelation from God. But a spiritual awakening comes thirdly when we walk in God's ways. You see, a disciple is one who is being changed by Christ. In Matthew chapter four, verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. You see, it's a change. It's a metamorphosis. What is he changing? He's changing my heart. He's changing my attitudes. He's changing the, he's changing my beliefs. And all of that leads to walking in the ways of God. You see, a disciple is one who is changed by God. And I just want to encourage you, open your heart and say, God, change me. Help me to live it out. See, day, the days of just hearing a sermon are gone. We've got to begin to say, God, I'm going to be a doer of your word. My greatest prayer is that we say, God, help me do it. Help me be what you want me to be and help me to do what you've called me to do. You see, I begin to embrace it. I begin to apply it. I begin to live it out. You hear something and the spirit convicts you. He, 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 he challenges you and he moves in your heart. You gotta be reflecting on that and saying, God, how do I do it? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? How does things need to be different? So that God, your ways are what I begin to walk in. The, the fourth thought, I don't have time to unpack, but I'm very passionate about it. Matthew chapter four, verse 19, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, a spiritual awakening will take place when we as believers realize our true calling. Unfortunately, the church has been about just hearing, being a spectator. But Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. You see, a a disciple is one that's on mission with Christ. A disciple is one that's committed to the mission of Christ. And that's the disciple-making mission. That we go and we make disciples. One of the missions of our church, and so many times I look, and especially when I start seeing the statistics, I begin to say, God, 
We've just barely scratched the surface of raising up disciples. It's one thing that we're a disciple, but then it's another thing to be a disciple maker. So when I begin to look at, man, are we teaching them, teaching you how to be a disciple? And I begin to see it. It's like, God, there's so much more that we need to to learn that needs to be changed in us. But then when I begin to look at the second part, and that is to be a disciple maker, the reality is a spiritual awakening comes when you and I, believers, Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's a disciple maker. Let me read a couple verses to you of being a disciple maker. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. Now that was given to the disciples that were following Jesus. And we are his disciples today. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus was saying to you and I as disciples, I want you to be disciple makers. Now there's a process of learning how to be a disciple maker. How do you do that? And what does that mean? And one of the missions of our church, it's a core of our church is to help you be a disciple maker. Look at this next verse in John 15, eight. This is to my father's glory. How many times did you say, God, I want to glorify you. God, I want my life to glorify you. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, the question that often comes up is, what is fruit? Well, fruit is the righteousness of our life. When we live a righteous life, when we get in the circle and we begin to remove the barriers, we begin to take on the righteousness of Christ and we put on that garment of righteousness. When that happens, we're bearing fruit inwardly. It's bearing fruit. It's, it's living a godly character. That my mind, my attitudes that I've been talking about, my character is getting into alignment with the character of Christ. I have the seed of Christ, the nature of Christ, and I've got to grow that. And I take on the character of Christ. And by the way, I think that's the biggest challenge in the church is they're not developing the character of Christ. But thirdly, bearing fruit is making disciples. So I believe a spiritual awakening will come when you and I, when we embrace and are committed to the mission of Christ. And then lastly, number five, and really I think it's the, it's the key to the Christian life. And that is perseverance. When you and I persevere, I believe a spiritual awakening is some persevere what? Persevere how, pastor? Well, when we persevere in loving God more than the things of the world, when we persevere in removing the barriers and the things that are, that are, that are drifting us out of the, of the circle of loving God, when we persevere there, when we persevere, when we persevere in walking in the ways of God, when we persevere like that, when we persevere at making disciples, when we persevere, a spiritual awakening is coming. Perseverance just means by definition that there is this steady persistence. 
There's a steady persistence in a course of action. There's a steady persistence in a purpose, especially in times of difficulty, especially in times of discouragement. There is a steady persistence. Daniel, Noah, the friends that, 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 that carried the paralytic, Paul, so many others, steady persistence. I love the scripture, Galatians 6, 9. We could probably quote it uh, together. Do not grow weary of doing good. Why? Because in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Today, what I'm saying to us is that we're believing for a spiritual awakening. I believe that God wants to send it. I believe we're on the threshold of it. And I'm asking you, would you begin to prepare your heart? Would you step into the circle? Would you cry out? Would you pray? And would you ask God to send the revival, to send a spiritual awakening? And as we do, persevere. Persevere in loving God more than the things of this world. Persevere in removing the barriers that God begins to reveal Revealing as he's revealing, as he's revealing. Just keep saying, God, I align. I get back into the circle. I'm aligning, God. Like 1957, let 1857, let there be a revival again, oh God. Persevere. Persevere in walking in the ways of God. Persevere in being a disciple maker. If you don't know how, then begin to learn how to be a disciple maker. Learn what that means and persevere. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.